Congratulations, Chris and Alan Baston, with another grandchild, to Michael, to Gav. We're thrilled for you, Chris. Just got a testimony you want to just share. Just quickly to say I was the one that had the stabbing pain under the right rib. Had it for four days, entirely gone. <laughs> wow, wow. Hey, I'm preaching on keeping on going and not giving up. Good. I said I was going to preach on dangerous prayers, but I never got there. <laughs> in my preparation, maybe, maybe in a couple of weeks' time. But here's some scripture for you. Luke chapter one, 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. See, nobody's very good at prayer. doesn't naturally come to almost anybody. It's something that the more we can get training and encouragement in, the better we'll do. And then in Luke 18, again, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show them that they should pray and never give up. Never, never, never give up. You heard that before? There was a judge in a certain city, Jesus said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow in that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out from her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from the unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. Yeah. Of course, God's idea of quickly and our idea of quickly can be a little different. But when the Son of Man returns, how many, will he, how many will he find on earth who have faith? So the first thing to understand is the judge is not an illustration of God. It's not about that. The judge is a, is a mean, earthly judge. God's, God is not unwilling to answer prayer. There are other factors involved. And the Bible speaks of some of those. Daniel, for example, is an understanding of one of the factors that's involved. God does care. The judge is actually contrasted with God who will bring answers to his, to his people's prayers. It's all actually about the widow. The fact that, that she valued persistence. And God says, persistence will get us there. Persistence will get us the answers that we need. Keep on going. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Believe even when nothing changes. Jesus is saying, keep praying no matter what. Never actually give up. Now, I listened to all the holiday messages when I came back from, from um, our own breakaway, and I saw a fascinating flow of the Holy Spirit's wisdom to us as a church. And I want to just 
speak a little bit about each of the messages because this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as a people. Mike spoke about creation and the early accounts of Noah and pointing out that it's real, that actually happened. And this teaching of, of creation and of Noah embeds the reality into people that hear it that God is, that he's genuine, and therefore we are all going to have to stand before him someday. And it means that that accountability brings steadiness into our life. You see, there's no plausible alternative to creation. The evidence for evolution is not there. It's a theory. And in my day, it was taught as a theory. But today, people have just embraced it as if, all, as if there's missing links. There are no missing links ever been found. Darwin died 138 years ago. He said the links will be found very soon. He was frustrated that they'd never been found. But they still haven't been found. Paul spoke about Jesus being the giver of the water of life. And it's a great message about Jesus being nurtured in a feed trough. But it wasn't a wooden one like we make with special little slats in it. It was probably stone. And as well as feed being able to be put in there, often it was used for water. And Jesus, Paul just traced Jesus and water because he's the life-giving river of water to people who, who allow him into their life. And he traced that right through the New Testament and spoke powerful, about the powerful effects on the world that Jesus brought, um, the radical positive change that Jesus himself brought, and then the radical positive change that his followers brought to the world in the 2,000 years since. There are universities, hospitals, orphanages. There's, the education itself has been radically affected by, by uh, Christians out there in the marketplace who had influence, and it became the bedrock for Western civilization. You know, the, the values of law and the value of human life and the equality of people, no matter what race or what gender, it all comes out of Christianity and Christians taking this out into the nations of the world. And Robert spoke about the power of God's presence to transform people's lives. And I spoke a couple of weeks ago about the need for us to pray, to ask some audacious things of God that will see his kingdom come and grow and develop in new ways in our lifetime, just as universities were started in the past because Christians prayed audacious prayers, asking that God might raise something up. And we see it in the world today across all of the countries. And last week, Miriam spoke about the unblocking of the wells, although that was the title she never, she never said. But she was talking about the water of the Holy Spirit. The Bible links water and the Holy Spirit together and how we, we need to be constantly unblocked so that the flow of the Spirit's life is upon us. So let me just summarize what, what the, all of those were. God is real. And what's happened in our life is not make-believe. He did touch you. He did touch me. He transformed us. And Jesus is the giver of life. And he can cause anyone's life to flourish who holds on to him and reaches out to him in faith. And Jesus leads his people into society-transforming endeavors.
He's always done it and he always will. It can start small, but we have no idea of how huge it can actually become. And his presence amongst us, like it was today, is constantly transforming us. And it's one of the, the and inspiring us. And it's one of the reasons why Christians need to be in church regularly so that we're with the presence of God around us. And he's got that extra ability to be able to speak powerfully into the very center of our beings. And he requires us to pray, to seek him, to experience him, to learn to hear his voice. And it's the Holy Spirit rather than us that is the medium of all the good works that that God wants to to, um, uh, do around the world. And we get the privilege of passing on God's thoughts to people. And it's mind-blowing when you think about that. We, you and me, get the privilege of passing on God's thoughts to a person. Miriam did that powerfully in Zoli's life just the other day, and I sat with you this week, Gazoli, and we just chatted about how encouraging it is to know that God sees what you're doing and remembers and says, come on, Zoli. Remember a preacher that used to do that in Christchurch? Stir it up. Let's keep going. You awake? Good, good, good. Okay, so today what I want to do is talk some more about keeping on praying. You know, prayer week was good. And I want to say thank you to every single one of you for praying during that week for the church and for the trust. But the prayer and the prayer meeting was really encouraging. It was heartfelt. It was meaningful. There were powerful prayers that were prayed there. And they're the sort of prayers that God hears and that God will answer. But there were only 20 of us there. Out of a church of around about 300 people, maybe 200 adults, just 20. So we don't actually yet value corporate prayer. But I think there are things that will not really change around us, around our community, until we do value corporate prayer. And we're coming to God corporately and crying out to Him for that change to take place. So this year, we're just going to extend it a bit. And each month, we're going to have a corporate prayer meeting. And the next one is on Thursday, the 5th of March. I I hope many of you can be there. So I want to ask you, how expansive is your oxygen capacity? How big is it? In other words, how big are your lungs? If suddenly you have to run, when do you stop? Is it 50 meters away? Or is it 42.2 kilometers away? Are you a marathon person? Or are you a little less than that? And there's all that variety in between. You know, if, if prayer is like the oxygen, how far is our prayer sustaining us? How far can we go? Or what about this? Next slide. If you're a, a dory <laughs> in the ocean of life, are you in, an, in the water of life? Are you in an aquarium? Oh, I will go and do this. Oh, boom. Whoop. Or are you in a tank that's a bit bigger and you've got a bit of flexibility, you've got a bit of capacity? Or are you out there in the ocean of life because your capacity of prayer is large enough? Where, where are you and where am I? 
You know, Ephesians tells us that God's got good works for us to do. I said good works. Good works for you and I to do that he's thought about before we were created, before he even created the earth, before anything existed, he'd thought about the things that he'd wanted us to do. Wow. In other words, God's got a plan for you and me to be able to accomplish. And the Bible contrasts spirit and flesh. And it says some things people do are just flesh, and other things people do are spirit. Jeanette, for example, did a lot of things that were her best idea of what to do. And then crying out in desperation to God, he gave her a spirit-dropped idea. And the best flesh that any one of us does can keep us really busy and we can look as if we're doing amazing things, but will it count for much? Will it accomplish something that will start as teaching of English and grow into a university that's sought by people from around the country? It's only the Spirit-led things that have the seeds to be able to see them grow and become that. You know, the ideas of changing society that will bring large, lasting change, the things that our trust will be involved in that will bring lasting change, won't be flesh, good as they might be. They'll be the things that the Spirit of God speaks to people about and says, do this, and I will. Do this, and I will. And the things around your life and my life that will make a serious, meaningful difference won't be our best ideas. You know, when, we, when we're coming up with our best ideas, it's arrogance. God, thanks for saving me. I think I can help you out. I've got an idea on how to do this. You seem a little slow. That's probably how God sees our best ideas. God, I can fix this for you. But he says, will you pray? Will you ask? Will you spend time and let me speak to you? And drop something into your spirit that can become your career, that can become your hobbies and your direction, but it will change your circumstances and your life and your world if you follow what I speak to you about. You know, Paul Edlin is a guy who, who, who he was, a part, he was a, um, an elder here with, with myself, and he went on to become the pastor at Wainui Amata. And if you know the little suburb of Wainui Amata, it's, it's a, it used to be called Nappy Valley. And, and it's, it's a, a struggling little suburb uh, in, in Lower Hutt. And he went, he went to pastor there, and he went to an old church building, and he went to 33 adults. And within a few years, he was building a new church building. And I said to him, I don't get it, Paul. How on earth are you doing this? And he said, for three months, he said, I just asked God the question. I'd go on a walk every, every morning. How many are walking these days? Good, good, good. Keep it up, keep it up. Others of you, join the club. Find some friends. Get out there. Exercise. Good for us. It's, a bit, it's, it's the same, same principle as the spiritual capacity of our, of our soul and the physical capacity of our physique, our, our body. Uh, we, we need both, eh? Anyway, Paul's asking God. He knew the building was yuck and, and old, 
um, that they had, and they had nowhere for kids and new families and everything. So for three months, he asked God, God, what do I do? What is your plan? What do we do here? And then after three months, he said he was out walking that walk, and he was saying, asking God the same thing, and God spoke to him. And, and Jeanette had an example of, of God answering a question by saying something else today. Um, and that's what God do, often does. Have you found that? You ask him a question and he comes with the answer from here. He doesn't seem to always want to just directly dialogue. He goes this and it's the answer to what you want and it's also the next thing as well. Well, God spoke to Paul and said, you're to go and see this person in your church and he's going to give you $400,000. They built the building. Cost a lot more than 400. There was other things God led them into as well. But you see, the go was not only go, it was how to go. And when he went to the person, it took him a long time. He said it took him three or four months to get the courage up to go. But when he went to him, he didn't say, you're gonna, God's told me you're going to give us $400,000. He said, God's told me that you're going to, um, this is the vision of what I, what I want to do. And God has told me you're going to give us a significant amount of money to be able to do this. And the man, after he put his presentation to him, he shook him by the hand and he wrote out a check for $400,000. Exact amount God had said he would actually give. You know, Don found after the earthquakes that, that, um, that there were the number of kids that were in the church families that were here were down to about three to five on a Sunday. I was really shocked. And so Don went away and he sought God for three months. He drove and he walked and he, in all of those exercises, he prayed and prayed until God said, Icons. And have you noticed, Don's a man with the, the uh, favor of God on his ministry. What he gets involved in, people seem to come around and get, and get there. There's resource for it. He's, he's got the kids with him. Um, there's, there's more kids here. Family church is happening out there now. And, and uh, you know, he's been asked now at Marihal Primary if he will come, with this, come into the staff family conferences for kids because they recognize that the kids like him. And, and he can help give some understanding to families and to teachers as to why kids are, are in the, the way that they actually are. The hand of God is on him. The hand of God is on him because of prayer. He didn't give up. He kept going. He could have said, oh, this is hopeless. I'm going to a church who's got some kids. And Heather and he could have packed their bags, eh, Heather, and gone somewhere else. Nah. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's easy to be condemned about prayer because none of us pray anywhere near like we think we should. So I want to ask any of the staff that are here, Seb, but also the elders, come on up, and Miriam, come on up as well. And I want you just to tell us something that you've learned. See, the Bible in the beginning said the disciples came to Jesus, and, and Jesus was in a certain place. He was in a certain place. He was in a certain place. He was in a certain place. In other words, they knew how he, um, where he would be. He had, a, he had a routine. And one of the things that we've got to do is we've got to normalize prayer. If you make it, if you make it something that will happen when there's a moment in the day, then it may not happen. And I just want to ask these people as we whiz along, is there anything you've gathered 
Is there anything you've gathered and figured out that helps you to be able to pray? So while they're gathering their thoughts, sorry for springing it on some of you, <laughs> um, I just want to tell you about me. We go walking, Sandra and I go walking, we try to walk six days a week, and we do about an hour's walk in the morning. And, and I find that we pray a lot, but when we don't pray, I pray in tongues. Yeah. It just, it's like, it just goes into that gear. I'm just walking, sometimes jogging. Sandra's out in front, I'm trying to catch her. But my mind just prays. I just, tongues is just there. I've clipped that aspect of my prayer onto something else that I'm doing, and it works brilliantly for for both. Have you, Sandra, have you got anything that you would say, this is something I've found helps me? Um, What I have found that has helped me is an app on my phone. Uh, It's called Echo, and I write in the things that I feel like God has actually spoken to me to pray about. And it has this wonderful little function on it where it actually puts in, um, where you can actually put in like a reminder. So here's a list of all my prayers, the specific things that I feel like God has spoken to me about. So there's one on the Christmas season, stuff that as we went into holidays, one that God's been talking about, God fights for me and brave. And it reminds me, I've set times for it to ping and remind me, and it helps me to like pray like with purpose and not with waffle. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I find that when I'm by myself in the car, um, I find that a great time to pray. Um, I've never been one for listening to the radio anyway. Um, So, and it's easy for me to pray in tongues then because nobody else is around, so I don't feel like I'm annoying anybody. Um, But I also find that when I'm out and about and driving, you don't have to think too hard about it. Um, That's probably when um, God will drop things in as well because I've got no distractions in the car with me or, you know, and just concentrating enough to get me around safely. But I'm actually (laughs) more open to what God might drop in at that time. I've found the Sanctified Imagination I wrote my book on is a great way of hearing God speak to me about answers that I want to second. God, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I'm not structured, so I find uh, you know, having set times doesn't really work for me. But uh, when I'm at work and the computer, if there's anything that's uh, coming up or going on, or uh, you know, I'll just sit there and spend a few moments saying, "God, what do you want to say about that?" and um, take that time and uh, use that time. Also, I always try to make a time to pray for the kids and make sure that they've been prayed for and covered in prayer. But it's just taking the spots everywhere. Although I do like coming down 8.30 on a Sunday morning and spending that half an hour before anyone else gets there just really soaking with God. Good. Um, Two quotes which come to mind. One, Smith Wigglesworth said, I never pray for more than 30 minutes, but I never go 30 minutes without praying, which I really appreciate. Um, Secondly, Pete Gregg just said with prayer, keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it up. And then probably the third thing is um, just having key people in my life who will ask me the questions. So like, I love walking and talking with a big fella. So people who will say, how's that going? How, how's it going praying into this? And just being kind of encouraged in that way. I'm a person who's always on the go, so my praying is always on the go. I, I just um, fit it into the day, all day, into things. And um, in the car is a great time because it's about the only time I'm on my own. Um, 
with Bruce working at home, you know, sometimes I just have to say, oh, excuse me, Lord, I'll be back, because he interrupts. But <laughs> we go out walking in the morning, and it's the same. I'm praying away as we walk, and oh, excuse me, Lord, and I'm back. But, um, yeah, just praying on the run all day. God just puts things there, and I just feel like, you know, people that he puts on my mind to pray for, if I don't pray for them, What's going to happen to them, Lord? I've got to pray. And so, um, yeah, it's just something that goes on all the time, sometimes even while you're preaching. You know, yeah. it's a... <laughs> Excuse me, Lord. Well, I need a lot of help for prayer, and so the Holy Spirit is my helper. And the Holy Spirit comes, and I've learned to recognize yeah. when the Holy Spirit yeah. comes. And um, he, um, he actions me. He he inspires me. And I guess out of that comes praying with passion and praying from my heart. And I find if it, if, if it touches my heart, if this is something that really is meaningful to me, then it's because God, it's meaningful to God. Yeah. And so I pray with where my heart is, where my passion is, what's touching me, what's grabbing me, what's connecting with me, where I feel... Oh, God, shift that, change that. God, work there. God, do something and from my heart. It's a wee bit like this morning, Jeanette, when she started to cry and she thought, God, this is hopeless. This is useless. It was out of that place came breakthrough. And that's where I love to pray. Mm. Mm. I try and dialogue with God all the time. Not always very good at it. <laughs> good news is that he hears. Um, I'm an engineer, so I like kind of formulas and, and equations and things, but um, I've found that if I go into praying for something specific and I think I know what the answer is going to be, I'm probably wrong. So if you kind of, it's a bit of a kind of a trigger for me. If I think I know what the answer is going to be going into it, I'm probably wrong. And the other thing is, I'm not tremendously good at sleeping. So if I am yeah. awake at night, yeah. then throw a few prayers up. Yeah. Worst case is, I fall asleep. <laughs> while talking to God, right? So, anyway, some handy hints from me. Helpful? Just let's say thank you. I hope you can glean a little bit of something that, look, you're not unusual. Prayer, no one gets prayer easily. We've got to learn off each other, and we've got to um, not let the enemy tell us that we're hopeless and useless, but rather God is wanting to say, keep it up. I love what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep it up. Don't stop. Be persistent. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and Andrew night? And will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? And the last little verse there seems to indicate that he won't find as many as he could. That a lot of people won't be persistent. They'll just go so far and they say, it's too hard, nothing's happening, changing, and they stop. And you've been there and I've been there. But Jesus says to us, keep going, keep asking, keep believing. Nairi chatted to me uh, during the week um, about a movie of a boy in Africa. I think it was called um, The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And um, spoiler alert, if you, you can put your fingers in your ears if you want to see this movie. I want to see it. 
um, and haven't seen it yet. But it was in a poor area in Africa, and the elders of the village prayed about the problems that were there. They prayed about the problems. They prayed about the problems. They didn't do any work about the problems, but they prayed about the problems. It actually sounds very biblical. Remember that verse that says the work of, of the elders and the leaders of the church is to pray and be in the Word. Pray and be in the Word. Pray and be in the Word. Anyway, they prayed. And one day a boy rose up who loved to invent things. And as he got a little bit older, he, he, he would invent and make things. And he dreamed of creating windmills. And, and he knew that if he could build a windmill, he would find the power to be able to solve their water shortage and, and to transport water out of the ground and then uh, to other places as well. But here's the spoiler alert. He had to convince his dad um, to give him his prized bike so that he could strip it down to construct his windmill with it. <laughs> <laughs> and the movie really highlighted the boy, Nairi said. But, and it looked down on the elders who just prayed. But actually, kingdom-wise, it all starts with prayer. People will rise if we will pray more. Answers will come if we will hold on and we will continue to pray for these things um, taking place. Lord Alfred Tennyson um, said this, he said, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. Therefore, let your voice rise like a fountain, night and day. And he's just echoing what Jesus said to us. Don't stop. Don't give up. If, if you're praying for something, if, especially if God's dropped that thing into your heart, keep going. Keep praying. Even like Jeanette, just keep on praying. Because if the answer doesn't come in our time, None of those prayers are lost and wasted because Somai, 15, 16 years later, is seeing the fulfillment of the very things that Jeanette and Elizabeth and many of you ladies prayed into being. It'll come in the next generation. We've been praying as a church and God's been encouraging us with visions of, of um, a lot of people being part of this church, people coming here. Well, if it doesn't happen in the time that I happen to be the pastor here, I'm still going to pray and call you to pray for those exact things to be fulfilled because it will happen. Not one prayer is lost and wasted in the kingdom of heaven. You know, in my lineage, someone was praying. My brother and I came to Christ about one year apart, and both of us went on to Bible college. Both received the call of God to become pastors. Someone in the previous generations, of my, probably on my mother's side, in the, in, back in the, nestled into the foothills of the Alps in Kurao, was, was a, a, a someone, a, a couple of someones in, in the booth side of our family who were praying down into the, into the grandsons and the great-grandsons that were coming. And, and it came to pass in my life and my brother's life because of the, the, the persistence of those, those single women and their family. And we have three children. Um, I think all of you would know that. And one awesome grandchild called Wilf. Two of my kids, our kids, Sandra's and mine, um, Micah and Chloe, have gone on for the Lord. But Samuel, since the earthquakes, has, he just basically hasn't been to church at all. He's kind of just walked away from anything to do with God. And we try to pray for him regularly, but nine years is a long time to be praying and not seeing 
basically anything happening in his life. But recently, a, a young man who was in the youth group when I was the youth pastor at Glen Eden Baptist Church, so over 23 years ago, this young man rang me up. It was last week. And he's on the phone, and, and I recognized his voice. And, and so I said, Lewis, it's great to hear from you. He said, I've got a story. I've just met with your son Samuel. I said, tell me the story. He said, I was in church, and a prophet was speaking, and he called me out of the crowd, and he said, you, come out. He said, um, the word of God to you is you need to go and encourage a young man called Sam. Do you know anyone called Sam? And he said, I know two Sams. But he said, immediately I knew it was your son, Samuel. So he managed to track my son Samuel down, who manages a, a tattoo parlor in K Road in, in Auckland. And he tracked him down, and he rang him up, and he said, Sam, I'd like to have coffee with you. And he said, that happened yesterday or today, I can't remember which it was. And he said, we, we met, and I told Sam the story of why I was meeting with him. Now, I want, there's a picture here of, of us. Sam's the little boy in black there who's about seven years of age, that's where Lewis last knew Sam. Sam's now 28. That was, that was the day we left Auckland to come down to St Albans to pastor here, actually. We were packed up. Um, nostalgia. <laughs> remember those days, Newt? I remember. Yep. <laughs> I remember you going up on the gondola with your head between your knees because you don't like heights. <laughs> and it's a glass gondola. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, you could tell me the number when we got up the top there. But he, he sought out Samuel and got there and he told him the story that God had spoken to him to go and encourage Samuel. He'd given him a message. You know, here we are praying, God, do something in our son's life. Bring him to you, Lord. And God arranges a meeting. And he said, the neat thing is, Sam's open to meeting again. Wow. Isn't it cool? Yeah. You pray and God does something. And it's because we don't give up. Samuel's just been reminded that God knows him. He knows him by name. He's interested in his life and he's calling him home. It's a wonderful thing. So don't stop praying. Be audacious in your prayers. Keep knocking. Because somewhere around your prayer requests, signs will begin to appear if you look for them, if you don't stop. You know, Zoe Ben shared her story of God's complete, remarkable, undeniable, life-changing healing of a few weeks ago. Uh, that she shared it a few weeks ago. She has her life back. It's amazing. But for seven long months, her parents... And her siblings prayed for her, and they knocked, and they believed when it was hard to do so. But perseverance developed within them. And they've now seen the reality of heaven, because there's no sickness in heaven. None of us will get to heaven and find that we have days off to lie in bed and get and recover. There's no sickness there. And the, she's seen the reality of something in heaven come down and touch her life and set her free to have her future back. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. And God doesn't condemn us for not asking. He sends people. He sends messengers. He sends the Holy Spirit. He sends his word to encourage us. Actually keep going. Pray again. Normalize it. Start normalizing prayers into your life so that it can happen on a regular basis and circumstances will change. 
So will you determine today to keep talking to God? Will you pick up again the things that have been lost, that you've dropped back down again? Grandparents, will you start praying again for your grandkids and your great-grandchildren? Because if you will persist and persevere and walk one foot after the other, one prayer after another, God will set up the circumstances in their lives. Will you commit yourself? Do you want another year like, do you want to repeat? Do you want 2019 again? Do you want a better year? Do you want a bigger capacity to be and to do and to become and to receive? I've got a whole lot more stuff that will have to be next time. <laughs> of this good God and what he can do. Katie, can you come up with your team and, and just take us? I want to ask you to stand and just to hold your hands out in front of you. Lord, we want to pick up again faith, hope, belief. And we want to keep praying about the things, Lord, that we've been asking of you, sometimes over many years. We dare to believe, God, that answers will come, change will come. God, we want to pick up those prayers into the next generation particularly. Lord, in the busyness of life with parents, they do their best. But where there's grandparents praying down and over, God, things just get multiplied. May that call for grandchildren and great-grandchildren, the will of God over their lives, come afresh upon us. We believe you're a good God. We believe it's not you withholding things. We don't understand everything in the spiritual realm. But we're going to keep walking and we're going to keep praying and we're going to see the goodness and the grace and the power of God in circumstances that you've called us to pray for. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.